and welcome back to Deviant Little Darlings. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And if you love hearing stories about all things taboo, scandalous, and out of this world, you are in the right place. Woo! Welcome back! (laughs) Hi everybody. It's been a minute, but we're here. It's been quite a minute. We've had a little bit of a hiatus, lots of stuff going on. Oh yeah, big big stuff going on. Um, In case I hadn't talked about it enough all last year, I moved to Boston, which is super exciting, and that kind of stressed me out a little bit, so that's partly why uh, things have been slow from us, so thanks (laughs) for bearing with us. (laughs) Yes, Boston now is on my list of places to visit. Um, Oh, yeah. Don't want to like try and deal at your location, but Katie's in a really sweet spot in Boston. <laughs> um, yeah, don't want anyone to come find me. Um, and it's uh, funny because my story will make us really not anyone to come find me. That didn't make <laughs> sense, but you'll get it later. Um, but it's funny. I do you remember? I don't know. We definitely talked about it in an episode where we were like, "You should come to Boston, and we should go on a ghost tour and bring our microphones with us." Like it was oh, yeah. like totally like something we joked about. Yeah. Well, my mom randomly suggested that we do that, so the fans want it. Oh my god! Is what gosh. I'm saying. Ask and you shall receive. We I guess exactly. we have to do it now. I know. Now it's been spoken into existence. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad that you got to Boston safely. You are all moved in, starting your classes. How's, um, you know, like, in, are you doing in-person learning quite yet? Yeah. So it's interesting the way the school, like, so here's the funny thing. I'm working in a school and I'm going to school. So it's like very confusing when I try to tell people what's going on. The school that I'm working in is in-person. So I go to that and then my classes that I'm taking, uh, are like a hybrid. So I go to this, like I, like a, it's kind of weird. Um, on like the first, let's just say on the first week of classes, I went to class on Tuesday was virtual on Wednesday this week, virtual on Tuesday supposed to be in person on Wednesday but it ends at like 9 p.m. so I I stayed home I'm doing virtual on Wednesday that's weird so do you have the choice of like when to be virtual when to not be so like yes because like if you got COVID or something they don't want you to like go to class obviously but I'm bending the rules to my they don't care I mean (laughs) I'm still going to class I'm just not like physically there and like I don't want to walk alone at 9 p.m to my house you no, know and it looks like it's totally snowing where you oh, are yeah we had a blizzard a oh winter gosh. storm it was a disaster um I didn't leave my house for two days you are not in California anymore <laughs> no I know this is fun though I miss talking to you it feels like we've there's so much to catch up on I know I don't know if people realize but when we don't do the episode each week we like don't have our in-person converse or over the phone conversations so yeah a lot just slips through the cracks it's sad like obviously we text but like yeah it's different it's totally Um, different how are you i'm fine i may sound a little weird this week um i had like some work done on my teeth so kind of you know can't (laughs) move my mouth all the way um which isn't really a problem, but like I can't smile or laugh all the way, which is like the most annoying oh. part. So that just feels weird. Well, but, I'll try not to crack too many jokes. Yeah, you better be really boring. Cause <laughs> I will. That's the plan. 
Yeah. Um, well, you don't sound that different to me. I don't think you sound any different, and you look good. So oh, that's what matters, right? I did not look good, but thanks. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> and I may sound different on the recording because I am using a different microphone this week. So it's like Ooh. we took three weeks off, and then I came back and totally <laughs> changed everything. Like <laughs> for everything no reason. Everything is different. Everything's different. Fine. We'll see how it goes, but yeah. It's also fun coordinating our time difference now. Yes. Now that we're, is it three hours different? Mm hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't love it, but. (laughs) Okay. So here it's 2 30. What time is it for you? 5 30? 5 30, yeah. Dinner time. Are you, I, I know you don't get like jet lag or whatever if you're not that big of a time difference, but does it feel normal to you now or are you still like on California time? No, I mean, it feels pretty normal now. The only weird thing is, like, I was going back through my texts and, like, all of my, you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes I like to reread texts just to, like, I don't know, know what's going on. And, like, now all the times are switched to, like, East Coast times. So I was like, what the heck was I doing up at, like, 3 a.m.? Like, why was I texting Olivia at 3 a.m.? But, like, I wasn't. So that's just a weird, random thing that confused me. It, like, retroactively would change your records. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. It's weird but whatever <laughs> yeah i know i texted you the other night and or last night and then you're like i'm in bed and i was like oh my god i should have known that because yeah. i was in bed too and i was yeah. like oh my god so much later for her <laughs> that's all right it's one of those things i will always text you back it just might be at like 3 a.m your time because i'm awake for school <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh well i'm glad we had the time to meet up at at least a somewhat reasonable hour today yeah, me too. to do our episode. Um, yeah. I think I had to look back through our old episodes to see who goes first because it has been so long. But mm-hmm. I think you go first this week. <laughs> cool. I'm up for it. I'm ready. Perfect. I'll, I'll just start. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yes, now everyone knows that uh, I just moved to Boston and um, – It's interesting because, I don't know, I bought a lot of furniture for this move and I needed help assembling it. Um, So a friend of a friend came over to help assemble all of our furniture and he's giving the talk like, you're a woman living in a city, be careful. But, you know, it's gotten a lot safer since the Boston Strangler. And I'm like, excuse me, the who? Like, what what are you talking about? Um, So, yeah, uh, if you hadn't heard, like me... Uh, there's a person, there was a person uh, named the Boston Strangler. So in the early 1960s, 13 women between the ages of 19 and 85 were murdered in the Boston area. Oh. Most of them were, yeah, bad news. Uh, most of them were sexually assaulted and strangled in their own apartments. But the thing is, there was no signs of forced entry at any of their homes. So police believe that the woman either knew their assailant or he portrayed himself as a maintenance, delivery, or serviceman, and so they let him in willingly. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I don't like that. Yeah. Now you see why I was saying the whole thing about not letting people know where I live. I'm terrified. (laughs) I'm having nightmares. It's fine. Um So despite extensive media publicity after the initial murders, the attacks continued, which means some women were still letting strangers into their apartments. Um, But don't worry, some other women actually just moved out of the area completely uh, in terror, which is definitely what I would do. Uh, No joke, I would get out of Boston as quickly as I got here if someone was (laughs) murdering women in their apartments. (laughs) Okay, 
Side note, though, like in January, a guy just showed up at my house and was like, hey, we have your dryer. And I was or no, it's in December. And I was like, oh, it's not supposed to come for another month. He's like, oh, they didn't tell you like it's it's early. And then all these like guys came into my house and were like, you know, and you just left my them? laundry room. They were legit. They were actually there with the dryer but like i didn't see the dryer at first and i was like oh okay come into my house in the middle of the day i mean like, yeah i, I, I could have been it. you could have been strangled olivia i know now i know now you know i mean okay <laughs> like yeah i feel like i'm it's i'm inclined to believe it if somebody is like here's your dryer but like i don't know now i'm just gonna be extra hesitant to trust anybody yeah. moral of the story i'm not trusting anymore <laughs> Um, okay. So, although he was named the Boston Strangler, he actually murdered women in a few different cities, which created some jurisdictional issues. Mm. Not really going to go into that, but just thought it was kind of important to mention. And then this is kind of interesting. For some reason, the Massachusetts general attorney, when they're trying to crack this case, they decided to allow a parapsychologist to use his extrasensory perception to analyze the case. And this guy believed the murders were carried out by a single person. However, he gave a super detailed description of not the suspect. So it was like so off, kind of a cluster. So they actually a like consulted a psychic for, yep. for help. That's really yep. cool, actually. Have you ever I mean, seen the show Psych? Have I? No. It's basically no, that, but the guy's like a fake psychic. He's just like really good at like <laughs> picking out details. It's a really funny show. If you haven't seen it, Ooh, watch it. Okay. Would recommend. Um, so yeah, at this point, that was a disaster. The police are convinced that multiple people are carrying out these attacks. Like they're just not inclined to believe this guy. Again, I wrote <laughs> I wrote this when I was really tired. There's not a lot <laughs> of connection between the paragraphs that I'm looking at. So I'm sorry, but whatever. I'm not going to list all of the attacks because it just makes me really, really sad. But the connection between most of them was that the women were sexually assaulted and strangled with nylon stockings. Some of them were also like stabbed or strangled by other things. But, you know, the stockings, the strangling, the sexual assault is pretty much this guy or multiple guys M.O. And on October... <laughs> on October 27th, 1964, a man entered a woman's home posing as a detective. See, that one I can kind of get. Like, I I don't know. I feel like I you have to know. substantiate the fact that he's a detective, but... But I think I would actually be more... Like, if a guy comes to my house and says, hey, I have a dryer, and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> let him in. But if someone comes to my house and says, hey, I'm a detective, I'll be like, so? Like, go like, away. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. leave. I don't know. That uh... I guess if you're expecting a dryer, that's fine. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so he enters her home, ties her, her, ties her to her bed, and then sexually assaults her. But he apologizes and leaves suddenly. So kind of weird. I mean, terrible, but like his behavior is a little weird. Um, but the woman was able to describe the man to the police, and they identified him as Albert DeSalvo. And they published his picture, and many other victims came forward confirming that he was their assailant. The interesting thing at this point was that he was not a murder suspect. He was charged with rape, and in prison, he confessed to a fellow inmate, in detail, the stranglings. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Weird behavior. So this inmate reports the confession to his attorney, and then the attorney, for some reason, takes on the defense of DeSalvo. 
and DeSalvo also confessed under hypnosis to the crimes. They're doing a lot of crazy stuff in Boston, apparently. Hypnosis, psychic, but (laughs) uh, whatever. But also, I guess he kept confessing because without the hypnosis, he told police details that had been withheld from the press. So we've been down this road before. Like, how else would he know the details, you know? Yeah. Just one of those, one of those things. The thing is, despite all of his multiple confessions, there's no physical evidence. So instead, they tried him for the unrelated crimes that he committed earlier, robbery and the sexual offenses. And with all of those, he had been known as the Green Man and the Measuring Man. He's a man of many names. The The press was apparently nicknaming him a lot of different things. I don't like um, either of those names, the Green Man and the Measuring yeah. Man. I'm not, it, it was unclear why they called him that. I probably could have done more research into that, but yeah, no. It makes me think of They're like bad names. the Michelin Man, but with measuring <laughs> tapes instead of tires. Oh, that's, that's disappointing for the Michelin Man. <laughs> You're right. Um, but yeah, so his lawyer ultimately tried to use his confessions of the strangling during his trial to plead his trial for the rapes to plead not guilty by reason of insanity like this guy's clearly crazy because he confessed to these stranglings but the judge ruled it inadmissible so no go there he was given a life sentence in 1967 but in february of 1967 he escaped so he was being held at bridgewater state hospital and i guess with two other inmates they, they escaped. They didn't tell me how, but they escaped from this hospital prison thing. Um, oh and it led to a full-on manhunt, obviously. Like something out of a movie. And he left a note when he escaped in like just true drama queen fashion, telling the superintendent that he escaped to focus attention on the conditions of the hospital and on his own situation. So he's, a, he's, he's dramatic. He's got the flair. Okay. Um... <laughs> He disguised himself as a Navy officer, but literally gave himself up the next day. I'm just saying, this guy is not great at committing to things, like, except murder. But, like, besides that, <laughs> besides that he's kind of bad at commitment. Yeah. Um, he was then transferred to a maximum security prison where he recanted his confessions. So I'm telling you, bad at commitment. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he's just all over the place. He doesn't know what he wants. Yeah. No, clearly not. Um, but six years later, in in prison still, he was stabbed to death. Uh, you know how prison goes. Um, and a man named Robert Wilson was tried for that murder, but was never convicted. So, yeah, no justice for the murderer. But I guess, like, no need, question mark? So, so I know he, like, confessed and had all those details, but then, like, unconfessed. So... Do we know for sure that it was him? So, no. But there are a lot of theories. Okay. There are a lot of theories about what actually happened. Um, Most of them are that it wasn't him or that it wasn't just him. Um, So, first of all, people who knew him did not think he would be capable of carrying out such brutal crimes. But, like, people would probably say that about Ted Bundy, too. Like, a lot of times they're just psychopaths that can trick you. So I don't really find that point very compelling, but it was mentioned in two articles. So I figured might as well throw that out there. 
Um, then in 1968, a doctor at the hospital that he escaped from basically claimed that DeSavo was not the Boston Strangler and instead was, quote, a very clever, very smooth, compulsive confessor who desperately needs to be recognized. And a fair number of people agreed with him. Apparently, another inmate had heard someone else coaching DeSalvo about the details of the Boston Strangler murders. So, like, perhaps he was just in it for the attention. Um, and this kind of makes sense to me because, I don't know, like, why would you just suddenly confess? Like, I know he's messed up, but, like, I feel like that's not the kind of thing that's going to get you, like, the yeah. good kind of and notoriety. He's, like, always going back and forth, it kind of seems like he's not sure what story yeah. he wants to stick to and it's not like you know you can't just hold on to the truth at this point if like none of it is true or if only half of it is true then right can ch- constantly change it's also interesting because a lot of his details weren't like like he would give exact details but some of them were like slightly off so people were like oh that's a liar basically <laughs> um additionally an fbi profiler a guy named john e douglas wrote that DeSalvo was a power assurance motivated rapist who was unlikely to kill in the manner of the boston strangler and a power a power assurance motivated rapist would however be prone to taking credit for the crimes so this is the fbi i mean that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah um then there's the theory that the boston strangler was actually multiple people and this is mostly evidenced by the fact that all of the women were extremely different in age, ethnicity, and social status. Like, 19 and 85 are vastly different ages, yeah. and it's typical for serial killers to have, like, a type, you know? Also, I know I said he usually strangled them with nylons, but the fact that he also had some inconsistencies with the way he killed them also made people think there could be multiple killers here. And Robert Ressler, another former FBI profiler, said... Quote, you're putting together so many different patterns that it's inconceivable behaviorally that all of these could fit one individual. I don't know. Take that as you will. Hmm. So then, George Nasser, the inmate that DeSalvo initially supposedly confessed to, is also a suspect, but he is currently serving a life sentence for a 1967 shooting. Uh, but a prison psychologist who analyzed both DeSalvo and Nasser called him, quote, a misogynistic, psychopathic killer and a far more likely suspect in the Strangler murders than DeSalvo. So this leads many people to believe that Nasser was the real Strangler and he fed the details to DeSalvo because he was already going to spend his life in prison for the series of rapes that he committed. So people believe that the two of them planned his false confession so that Nasser could collect the reward money and split it with DeSalvo, which would then provide for DeSalvo's wife and children. Oh. okay. Like he was going to prison anyway. Is there any evidence for this guy aside from like his character just matching what they think i don't think so okay Mm -mm. which is interesting um and i'm not sure if there's evidence of like that reward money going to the dissolvo family unsure um but alas we live in the 21st century and dna testing is a thing so (laughs) interesting that in july of 2013 boston pd linked y dna which is like man DNA that is passed (laughs) down directly from the male line. Apparently, it doesn't change. Um, So they linked this Y DNA from a nephew of DeSalvo to semen found at the murder of Mary Sullivan, who was one of the Boston Strangler's victims. 
So with this info, a court ordered DeSalvo's body be exhumed to test his DNA directly. And it was a match. Uh, so he was the source of the DNA recovered at the scene. But the thing is, while we can confirm that this particular murder was DeSalvo's doing, people still have their doubts and believe that another killer is at large. Yeah. For my sake, I really hope there's not. Um, <laughs> but I do think that like these murders would have continued, whether in Boston or in another state, had the murder not been like apprehended in some way so either it was DeSalvo or maybe like the real strangler was picked up on like another charge I don't know that's like with the Zodiac case when because that one too they're like was it multiple people was it one person Mm -hmm. but their suspects like if it if their incarceration um Mm -hmm. like aligns with the dates where the crimes happen then it's pretty good indication yeah so that's all I have, basically. Um, I'm having nightmares about it. That is so it's fine. scary. Yeah, lock your doors. Don't let the yeah, police no in. Kidding. Don't let dryer repairmen in. Literally. Don't, don't make any friends while you're there. Just like stay, I simply won't. stay in your house. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need to talk to other people. No. I don't need that. Oh, oh man. So, but yeah. so he was confirmed for that one were there was there dna mm-hmm. any other or was it just the one it, the information on this is very not a lot and i mean it was the 60s so yeah. i don't know but i think that that's the only dna that they tested so i'm assuming it's the only dna that they found or maybe they just didn't even like think about collecting other dna i'm not sure mm, interesting I, I think it would be yeah. super interesting if they did have other dna but they're like sitting on it and if it doesn't match then we could like literally in a couple years hear about a new one like a new match or a new well they probably would just sit on it if they had it because they don't want to admit that they got the wrong guy or True. they didn't get all the people so could be if i'm being honest i wouldn't be surprised Ugh, how awful <laughs> anyway i totally <laughs> i hope yours is not as bad it's not um i totally was thinking when you started you know in the office how toby is obsessed with the sprint <laughs> yeah. strangler i was like thinking it was going to be related <laughs> i wish it was related man that's all i could think about while i was writing this so <laughs> i was also because when i was thinking of stories i was like oh i should do something boston related because um Ooh. you know katie and all i could think of was the boston tea party and I was like, that's okay. really not, you know, on brand. <laughs> so I didn't do it. I mean, hey. <laughs> but I'm glad that you you got to your Boston roots. Because I feel like you always do California-based stories because you've been in California. I know. But now so. that I've moved, look out, everybody. <laughs> Boston has a lot of terrifying history, if I'm being honest. It so does. Almost as much as Salem, Oregon. Oof. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Really, really. When you come to Boston, we will go to Salem just to, like, <laughs> prove to you that it's here. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Um, What's yours about? So, uh, all right. You know I love holidays, and <sighs> I'm, like, already in the holiday mood, and I'm early, but mine is about oh Valentine's Day. <gasps> I love Valentine's Day. I do too. Are you going to ruin that? <laughs> a little bit, but not really. <laughs> I mean, I okay, I love it too, and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm going to be um, out of town on Valentine's Day, so not actually doing anything oh, like real Valentine's no. It's not like a romance out of town. No, I'm going um, oh. on like a girls' trip with my sister. But oh, that's I mean that's perfect. Yeah. Valentine's. <laughs> 
Um, so I first was like, oh, Valentine's Day crimes. But then um, it just made me kind of sad because it was literally like listicles of like woman shoots husband for not getting her roses or like <gasps> like husband having an affair. I'm like, this is just not, you know, oh. Valentine's-y. I don't like it. Yeah. So I'm doing the origins of Valentine's Day. Oh. And it actually fits into our whole like t- taboo scandalous kind of thing because it has a very different origin than I expected. Perfect. I'm in. All right. So there are a lot of different holidays and like events that kind of play off of Valentine's Day or that has led to Valentine's Day as we know it. Mm-hmm. But the main one was a festival that took place in ancient Rome for centuries. And it was um, an annual festival midway through February called Lupercalia. I think that's how you pronounce oh. it. Have you heard of it? I totally know of. Okay. Not like all the details, but yes. Well, if I, because I did my research, but if I like am missing details, please chime in because I had never heard you of it don't before. don't think I'll know well enough to be able to tell you, but I do know like vague, okay. vague details. Well, it's a weird one. So <laughs> Lupercalia was an annual festival and it took place February 13th through 15th. Um, so like right around Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And it was put on by basically a bunch of priests called the Luperci or Luperkey. I think it's Luperci. Um, basically, I think of like the Twilight Voltori or whatever it's <laughs> oh, called. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine it. Yeah. But it's just these Roman priests. And the festival was intended to celebrate the end of winter and the coming of spring. And we all know when springtime comes, it's also, you know, the land and the crops and nature is all more fertile and, you know, Mm -hmm. plants are growing. So on that same path, Lupercalia ended up being a fertility festival. And these Mm. Luperci priests used it as a time to perform fertility rites and rituals on the Roman people. Huh. All right. And so this is where we get that whole scandalous taboo side because these fertility rites actually sound like they could become like from a horror film. They're oh, no. a little creepy. So to start off the festival, the Luperci priests would first sacrifice a goat and a dog at an altar. Then they would wipe the Ugh. animal blood from their knives on their own foreheads in like total Lion King fashion. Um, but then they would use a milk-dipped wool cloth to wash it off. And, like, this sounds creepy, right? It's just weird, you know? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't love the mental image I'm getting. Well, it gets worse because it turns out in order to complete this opening ritual properly, the two young priests are required to forcibly laugh throughout the whole sacrifice. Oh, no. So they're just, like, up there at the altar, like, fake laughing well oh, i hate that that doing is this. so evil villainy yeah it's so creepy so next is the fertility ritual so women would line up all around the priests hoping to be blessed with the gift of fertility um but in order to get there they would have to be beaten and whipped by the skins and pelts of the sacrificed animals stop i know so just imagine these like priest dudes laughing killing animals and then beating up any woman who comes near them with the carcasses of these animals so gross and okay it sounds really brutal but apparently these women actually believe that it would make them fertile and like it was a huge blessing and they were really excited about it so the sources say i don't know (laughs) and so they say (laughs) 
and so you might be thinking, well, okay, well, well, the women are like facing this pain and getting beaten by animals. What are the rest of the men doing? Well, rumors have it that the rest of the population would get blazing drunk and stripped down naked and participate in an auction for the newly fertile women by pulling their names out of a hat. Um, hmm. And so when people... That's concerning. It's concerning. And people describe this as just like a total like frat party. Like these guys are just going crazy. They're super drunk. And like for some reason it always mentions that everyone's naked. Um, And it's like they're just going wild, having a total party. And they say that the matches are supposed to be the most perfect, blessed matches, you know, ordered by the high priests. But, and they're supposed to be regarded as like soulmates. So if you get matched up on this during this fertility festival, it's like you're going to have great luck. You're going to have a million babies. It's perfect. Hmm. Um, but we know they were literally just drawing names out of a hat or like these guys <laughs> yeah. are just like picking women and the women just had to go with them. So it totally reminds I me. I hate that. You know that TV show called Are You the One? Oh, yeah. It totally reminds me of that. I mean, in a very ob- obscure way where it's like. Oh, yeah. No. The idea. I, I totally get those vibes. Yeah. There's like a perfect match out there and you have to figure out who it is. Um, but really, it's just a bunch of drunk people going around being mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. I see it. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I'm already like almost done with the story. It's so short. But Overall, the festival is really rowdy and brutal, and it's kind of sexist, but it was a huge part of the ancient Roman early tradition, like every year. But then the Christian church ended up kind of rebranding the celebration as the Feast of Purification in 494 CE. So it's still like very much part of the church. They just were like, ooh, we can't call it Lupercalia anymore. The whole, like, looper thing, um, it comes from, like, the Greek word or the Roman word for wolf. So a lot of people associate it with, like, werewolves and, like, paganism and witchcraft, kind of. Hmm. So they're like, "Mm, that doesn't sound good. It's the Feast of Purification. Of course. Um, But then in about the 3rd century AD, on actual February 14th, two more Romans who were both named Valentine were executed um in different years so i don't know if it's just like a coincidence the same name same day but like different years and the catholic church ended up honoring their martyrs with saint valentine's day but the story of these two men are a little bit like up for debate i don't know if they actually happened okay i'm not like you know i haven't read the bible (laughs) i don't know if it's in the bible i don't really know (laughs) but basically there are different versions out there okay so the first story is that This Valentine guy was a priest, but he was jailed, and while he was in jail, he wrote, like, a love letter to his jailer's daughter, and he signed the letter from your Valentine, because that was his name, and then apparently he had, like, special powers and cured her blindness, so it, it, like, you know, totally blew up, and everyone's like, oh my god, Valentine, and that's how we get Valentine's Day letters. The other story is that there was a bishop named Valentine who um, would secretly go behind the emperor's back and marry couples to try to save the men from going to war. So I guess it was like, if you're single, you have to fight, and if you're married, you don't. So he would perform all these illegal marriages, and 
I guess the church also thought that was pretty cool. So they honored him as well. (laughs) I think I've heard the first one. But I'm not convinced that I haven't heard the second one either. See, I had never heard the first one, but I had heard the second one. So I was, and all the sources were like, there could be two stories or there could be one or maybe they're not real. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. So this new like St. Valentine narrative started to take over the tradition of Lupercalia Festival. And by the fifth century AD, the Pope combined the two holidays and expelled the pagan rituals associated with Lupercalia. So they were like, no more, you know, sacrifices and freaky stuff. Sure. But we're still going to get like super drunk and like a little frisky. <laughs> and the Romans like still used February 14th as a day to drink their wine, show love, and hope for fertility and good fortune. So now we get to present day kind of because over the last four centuries um we've continued using all of these roman symbols of love like cupid and hearts and roses to express love on saint valentine's day oh so that's pretty cute um another weird little fact that i didn't know is that apparently uh, mid-february is also the season that many bird species start mating So birds like doves are often used as a symbol of fertility on Valentine's Day as like an homage to bird (laughs) fertility and like the origins of the festival. Um, So yeah, if you see any Valentine's Day cards with like little love birds on it, that's why. (laughs) Interesting. I wonder uh, who figured that out. That feels like a weird, I mean, I guess people watch birds, but that feels like... It's just like an obscure, like I wouldn't think of... (laughs) I don't know. I don't think of birds when I think of Valentine's Day. Yeah. But apparently it's like... I guess thing. love birds. That's cute. Yeah. Like I, that's like a cute thing. But like yeah. I don't think I... I, I think, think it's been so taken like, over by like chocolate. Well, okay. So then now we get to real present day. Oh. Kind of still. So Hallmark sold the very first commercial Valentine's Day card in 1913. Um, but Ooh. it is said that people started doing Valentine's Day cards all the way from like the 17th hundreds 1700s i think sure um obviously they weren't like mass produced so the first ones were in 1913 and now it's turned into almost a 20 billion dollar annual industry Mm Hmm. so that is the end of the history of valentine's day um but i think it's just really cool that it started out as this like you know very ingrained ritualistic festival And even though a lot of it has been, like, you know, obviously discontinued, we still celebrate it just because we just like love. And we, you know, there's a lot of quotes from people, like, psychologists saying, like, yeah, Valentine's Day is this huge billion-dollar industry, but it's self-perpetuating. Like, if we didn't want to do it, we just wouldn't do it. There's no need for it. And, like... (laughs) why not do it then it's kind of cute that people love love so much yeah so next time you get your valentine's day cards um maybe maybe you'll think about these graphic awful you know (laughs) stories oh yeah and yeah perfect that's really (laughs) the reason for the season right (laughs) absolutely 
Oh, man. Now I'm just going to be thinking about birds all through February. Birds. I mean, I don't think of February as like springtime at all. It's definitely still wintry. I definitely think of like Easter as springy Mm. little chickens, birds, you know, flowers. Yeah. But I guess it it makes sense. When in Rome. I I guess. (laughs) When in Rome. Those Romans. (laughs) So crazy. (laughs) Now I want to do like a Valentine's Day italy trip someday that would be actually really cool i bet that'd be dope actually like yeah. it'd be fun because i think that'd a be lot of really people, fun. like france is really associated with love and romance but mm. the city the isn't Romans. it like the city of love paris something like that yeah mm. how romantic <laughs> <laughs> anyway Anyways, i know that was really short but um i'm just happy that we got to do it at all this week me too i'm happy that we got it in honestly just so everyone knows i'm between classes right now so it's fine that it's short for me (laughs) oh yeah yeah Um, (laughs) it's fine no stress there um but yeah this was such a treat i love talking to you so i'm glad we did this i'm so glad we got to catch up and I feel like also when we record, then we also text each other more afterwards. So yep. <laughs> it's always oh, yeah. nice. Um, and yeah, so I think our Instagram is, I mean, we've had three weeks to catch up. I hope I caught up and I hope I posted everything. I think we are. Okay. Well, now check us out for the newest post <laughs> three <laughs> weeks later. Um, you, know, you can find us on Instagram at DeviantLittleDarlings. Um, we post at pictures hopefully with every episode they get there eventually um and that way you can just see some of the things that we try to describe over (laughs) over the air and you can also email us at deviantlittledarlings at gmail.com if you have any suggestions corrections questions i don't know anything you want to let us know send us there yeah please do and uh, if you are looking for where to listen to us, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Anchor.fm slash DeviantLittleDarlings. Woo! <laughs> We're back, everybody. <laughs> we uh, are back and at it. Yeah, we are. So thanks for <laughs> sticking with us. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in when we see ya, I guess. Yeah. Suppose maybe next week, maybe in a cu- maybe in a month, we'll yeah, we'll just see yeah. you. Remember, yeah, <laughs> we'll be here eventually. Eventually. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.